are they going for blackface? Like, that <laughs> thought occurred to me while watching this movie. And also, we wouldn't be surprised. We wouldn't be like, oh, no. blackface in this movie? We'd be like, oh, right. they got blackface in this one. Good. It's here. Logical yeah. next Look, Oh, I got, I got Christian movie bingo. Yay, blackface. <laughs> God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we blaspheme the shit out of another selection from Christian cinema in an effort to disprove religion through a simple lack of brimstone. I'm No Illusions, which apparently I've been neglecting to mention, and sitting to my immediate left is my good friend Heath Enright. Heath, welcome back. Thank you. And sitting 989 miles to my right is my bad friend Eli Bosnick. Eli, good to see that you managed to free yourself from those nipple clamps in time to join us tonight. I had to chew my way through my right nipple, but it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. And joining us for the first time is stateside Australian comedian, podcaster, and special guest masochist Nick Morgan Moore. Nick, welcome to God Awful Movies. That's my name. And that's the catchphrase I do on another podcast. <laughs> now, unlike all of our previous guests, Nick, you knew full well what you were getting into when I asked you on the show, and you oh, yeah. still said yes. What gives? Um, well, I'd actually already seen a bunch of the movies that you guys have reviewed so far, some of them back when I was a true believer. You're and, kidding me, uh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. The era, the the first of the uh, of the Left Behind movies, they played in my church when I was uh, <laughs> about sixteen years old, and I was like, "Wow, this is terrible! Like this is this is what we have to deal with. Like they they in the world have movies that are actually good, and we have this crap. Okay, um, so yeah, like I I'm ha- happy to come along, and and uh, yeah. Awesome. Now, of course, the main reason that we wanted you on for this particular movie is that, like the characters in this movie, you're in the midst of your first experience with the American South. You just mm. did a benefit mm-hmm. in Montgomery, Alabama, correct? Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, so before we even get into this movie, I'm dying to know, is our racism and general lack of dental hygiene all it's cracked up to be? Uh, I'm from country Queensland, which is like the Australian version of the Bible Belt. Gotcha. Um, so like that the, sounds like the name of a country that someone made up in yeah. a last minute under torture. It was like, where are you from? Country! Queensland! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Staplevania! Stop yeah. shocking so, my balls! <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm from Townsville. Yeah, in that's, country that's the answer someone gives after being waterboarded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, what was the question again? Well, okay, so I, I have a new question. Uh, other than the lack of, like, man-sized scorpions and, and dinosaurs that spit venom at Seinfeld's fat neighbor, what would you say is, like, the biggest difference between Australia and Alabama? Uh, oh, that's a big, that's a big ask. Um, but I, I've got an answer, okay? Um, so, the urinals. When you go to take a piss, right, mm-hmm. the urinals are all below knee height. And I'm like, the fuck? Right? I, I, I mentioned it to someone. I'm like, your urinals are too low. And they're like, what are you talking about? Where would you put a urinal? And I'm like, dick height! Right, <laughs> right, right at dick height, or right below dick height by like an inch. Like, if you put it on the ground, you're getting splashed back. We swing mad pipe here in the States, bro. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> 
We, oh, you have to understand that we just, we're so lazy in America that we prefer to just stand there and slowly allow ourselves to pee on the floor. So uh, if the, the toilet is the floor, it's as neat as it's going to get. That, that <laughs> makes a lot more sense. I mean, I mean, it reminds me of when I was in China and the toilet was literally just the floor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have those too. All right. So, uh, without further ado, I guess we should get to this week's movie. Heath, what are we breaking down today, bro? We've got Brother White. It's about a white pastor from Los Angeles who moves to a poor neighborhood in Atlanta so he can save a bunch of black people from themselves. I'm like 90% sure the original title was Brother White Man's Burden. It's uh, <laughs> even a lot more descriptive. Brother White's Power. <laughs> right. Yep. Brother White supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> Take up the brother white man's burden. You yeah. Got exactly. Might as well have been. So, Nick, I'm gonna give everybody a crack at this one, but you're our guest, so you get first dibs. How bad was this movie? Uh, this movie was so bad that if I could watch The Human Centipede on repeat for the rest of my life instead of ever talking about this movie with anyone, and I'd you just could. do that. <laughs> <laughs> that still is an option. It's it's not too late to turn back. I, mean, I, I could, I could. <laughs> so he's like seriously contemplating it, mm. and obviously, like it's already come up. But the movie really starts being racist in the second word of the title. So I think we have to hit that topic right <laughs> up front. Um, yeah. So Heath, I'm going to change the right. phrasing for you a little bit. How racist was this movie? All oh. right. Um, well, you have an Australian, and you ask somebody else about racism. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, they like, still keep their people in the bushes. Brown people, right now. Okay. <laughs> like the reason that I fit in since I came to the south is they're like, "You're from Australia," and I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Good job murdering all those brown people." <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. Keeper Sutherland did a great job. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Really, it's sort of a national. We, we watch the with that clip where he shoots the kid in the back. Is our national anthem? Everyone's got to sit through it. He's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, th this was pretty brutal. Um, I'll put it this way: I fell asleep watching this movie the other day, and when I woke up, Netflix had auto played "Birth of a Nation." Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a very, very racist movie. It's, it's kind of like interracial porn if there was no sex, just great acting. <laughs> Right, exactly. Just the setups of interracial porn is what this whole movie is. That actually makes a lot – that would make this movie make a whole lot more sense. <laughs> oh, oh, like there's total – like I've got, a, I've got a point in my notes for later on. We'll get to it. But yeah, like there's things going on behind the scenes, guys. Yeah, this is – I will say of all the movies we reviewed so far, this is the easiest movie to jerk off to. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of scenes yeah. in here where you're like, I should be jerking off. Yeah. I know. Or at least I, know I should be getting ready. At right. least I should be getting some lotion and some tissues. Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. Um, and Eli, so compared to like War Room or Mein Kampf, where, where does Brother White fall for you? Well, I'd say it's definitely more racist than Mein Kampf. Because uh -huh. Hitler was just sort of starting out. War Room wise, I gotta say, I think it might be more racist than War Room because War Room is racist because you know it was written by white guys. But I think uh -huh. having a white character or white characters who react to black characters with hatred and disgust yeah. puts a whole new spin on the racism thing. Because sort of the, the meta story is like, ugh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, there's definitely a ton of frantic amateur scripting, bafflingly melancholy mm-hmm. performances and grossly anachronistic stereotypes to get to. But before we do that, we're going to take a richly deserved break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into all the insanity of Birth of a Nation 2, Brother White. It recently came to our attention via a polite but critical review that was removed from iTunes for abusive language that our show, while retarded and pointless, is nevertheless unproductive, immature, and gives atheists a bad name. We also learned that fuck you and your podcast. But after deeply considering the meat of Mr. Attack Eyebrows' critique, namely that our podcast is, quote, like people who hate math trying to make sense of mathematicians, end quote, or, if I may paraphrase, Like people who are really bad at analogies trying to write an iTunes review, we realized that our show probably could benefit from a more diverse vantage point, which is why we scoured the internet this week to find out what other people had to say about Brother White. Buckster Meister Brow says, Very well done. Any Christian film with Reginald Val Johnson is bound to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Erica leaves a five-star review on Amazon and says... This movie is also a good movie. Patrice was a bit more stingy with her stars. She only offered one and said, do not buy this movie. He makes jokes about ushering in the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church service. This is an offense to God. Our God's presence is sacred. I was completely outraged and threw the movie away. Patrice strikes me as like the eighth comment down on an Amazon review. Right. <laughs> the least amount of downvotes. Rotten Tomatoes says, there are no critic reviews for Brother White. Keep checking Rotten Tomatoes for updates. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's also no user reviews if anybody watched along and wants to vent. <laughs> we also have a review from Cappy who wrote, we have enjoyed Brother White. The humor begins when Brother White's wife is named Lily. So Lily White accompanied her husband to an all-black church. Lots of humor. (laughs) Cue hilarity. (laughs) And according to Bill 1988, are you over 13? What? Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. It's a Dove approval movie for all ages. Yes, I am over 13. It is a grot movie. I have seen many of their movie. (laughs) Their name says what they are. Perflix. (laughs) Doug had nothing but good to say about this five-star review that read, Item as advertised. (laughs) And finally, Angel, via the Christian Movie Database, had this to say, I'm watching this movie, and they don't even go to ATL, they just go to Inglewood. (laughs) Because my grandmother lives down the street from that church. So now that we've dedicated a few minutes to considering a broad spectrum of opinions, I hope it's clear to everybody that even though we're atheists, we can review this horrible, wretched, racist, deplorable, boring, abominable, amateurish piece of shit objectively. And we're back for the masochism portion of this evening's events, and we're going to start off by meeting our protagonists, a married couple played by real-life husband and wife David A.R. White and bitchy atheist lawyer chick from Do You Believe?, And we're going to meet them in the most superfluous, look, here's some human scene that you can possibly imagine. Yeah, I literally wrote in my notes, we're a family. Look at how we family. Family, family, family. (laughs) That's about it. It's not that there was no establishing shot. It's just that, like, there was one second of establishing shot and then, oh, my God, look at this white family. (laughs) They're so white. And I also noticed that there was no production company logo at the beginning of this movie. It just, it just started, it started so abruptly. It was just like, moving! So abruptly. 
Like, this is a city, these are humans, go. <laughs> right. And the, and the writers just seem to have no sense of, like, you know, that there are, like, things are supposed to happen in scenes and that there's supposed to be a reason for each scene to be there because we're just, like, randomly getting, okay, so here's some people and they're getting dressed and now they're in a car. It's like, it was, it's like listening to a five-year-old tell a story, but he doesn't know which parts are superfluous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like an example of the writing in this movie, they're in a car and the daughter goes, are we there yet? While playing off the, while playing on her phone. And the dad just gives her a look that just says, I'm fucking you behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I, I know that we've had a, a meta commentary throughout this series about the atheist writer in the room. And he's really, really present in this movie. <laughs> yes, he is. At the very beginning, he goes, let's go learn about God. And the kid goes, I want to learn about baseball. And I was so expecting for the kid to go, because baseball's real. Like, I can <laughs> yeah. see baseball and touch baseball. <laughs> we all frown on it when baseball rapes someone. I mean, yeah. like, we don't stop it. Yeah. We frown on it. Like, Ooh. All, all of this that we're talking about, we're not even a minute and a half into the movie yet. Because I have a note that says, one minute, 33 seconds. My girlfriend told me I can't pause it every time they say something dumb. Because we won't ever finish. <laughs> true. You'll spend the rest <laughs> right. of your life. <laughs> You'd be about eight minutes in at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because, okay, so he gets to his job and he works at this mega church. And it, it occurs to me that for some people in the universe, you know, that's not terrifying and awful and horrible. Like, you know, it, 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 I have to keep reminding myself, like, for the people who are watching this movie, when you see him go into a megachurch, you're not you're not supposed to go, oh, okay, these are the bad guys. Right, <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. It's so terrible. And that was a big problem. We'll get to it. But a big problem I have in this movie is I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like or dislike certain characters. Because yes. I'm like, is yes. that, is he bad? I feel okay, like okay. he's bad. It's not clear have at all. Have you guys seen the television show Reaper? No. No. Okay, okay. Uh, I watched it. Very clever writing. Very enjoyable. Loved it. The uh, the pastor of the church, Kingman, uh, played by Ray Wise, mm -hmm. he plays the devil. So as soon as this guy walks out on stage and he has the exact same mannerisms, speech <laughs> patterns, the exact same lines, I was like, holy fuck. No, <laughs> fuck, Noah, you, you tricked me. You told me this is a shitty Christian movie and now I get to watch the devil torture and kill this white family. <laughs> Thank you so much. Happy birthday. <laughs> they booked the guy from Big Ass Spider. This is awesome. Yeah, he's also the least memorable bad guy from RoboCop. Yeah, this is uh, this is the snuff film that David R. A. R. White died in. <laughs> we got it together. Thank you for your Patreon dollars, guys. I know we haven't been saying what I but it was to kill David A. R. White and his wife. And uh, we couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> Oh, can, can we coming for you, David? Kendrick Brothers? Coming for you next. Eight hundred dollars. There's a Kickstarter that would guys. fund overnight. Take that, Neil Gaiman's wife. <laughs> yeah, Anita Sarkeesian ain't got nothing on us. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd get less death threats. If <laughs> you want to murder yeah. someone, that's fine. Video games are a little misogynistic. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, so I just, I wanted to point out in the, so we're at the super church, which by the way, I completely agree because my notes say terrifying super church footage. 
it's supposed to be a mega church. Let me let me just let the audience know it's supposed to be a mega church, but they didn't film it in a mega no, church. No, uh, uh-uh. so it's like a pretend mega church, which is what I went to when I was a Christian. Oh, right, and on. like the guy who's like pray, sing, talking at the audience. Uh, there was a guy like that who got stepped down because he fucked a bunch of teenagers. So, like, I was watching this movie with, like, a lot of nostalgia. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> oh, I remember him. He used to play Where Am I the Most Ticklish. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, yeah, Johnny Kingman comes on stage, and, and I, I just have in my notes, ah, Peter Popoff is the good guy in this movie. That's yeah, the level. I wrote Benny Hinn myself, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, by the way, a black lady rushes the stage to shake his hand because this is totally not going to be an extremely racist movie, you guys. Totally not. <laughs> and and again, uh, this was not filmed in a megachurch, but we're supposed to be thinking megachurch. So mm. you can see a lot of shots of the audience where it pans for like half a second and then it's over, you that know, is... or you can only see 15 people at a time. It's like the Mets That's trying like... to convince everyone that they've got a full stadium now. <laughs> saying, oh, look at these fan Lining up at the gate to get his, their tickets. Be fair. They won the pennant this year. Give them a break. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the one year you can't really make jokes about the Mets. Yeah, they won their division. Yeah. They're yeah, going to blow worry. it. We'll, we'll, we'll... They're going to blow it. The Mets fans know it. They're, they're like a child kidnapper who lets the kid run out into the front yard and then electrocutes his collar. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows what's going to happen. <laughs> a bunch of the seats in the church just have blow-up dolls sitting in them. Just, just blow-up dolls just sitting, filling up extra seats. Yeah, right. It's like, hey, this, this is in the carpool lane on the highway. Like, get it, get it. How, how did everyone have so many blow-up dolls? Oh, we're Christians. We're Christians. <laughs> yeah. Just come on now. Ashley Madison. <laughs> <laughs> so then Kingman gives this speech where he talks about how rich he is and how he was trying to count his blessings but he lost count ha 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 hilarious <laughs> yeah. and he's like is it because i have a ferrari and so he's giving that and i was like is this an this is what i was talking about before is this an admirable character exactly exactly I'm not sure. There's no denouement for this character where he's like, I don't know. I don't think I thought about Jesus enough. So either it's bad filmmaking and he is supposed to be a good character or or a bad character or he's a good character and like priests who have a Ferrari are a thing to look up to. Yeah. And and later, later on, we find out that it's the latter. But I'm sitting there like right now going, OK, so this guy's like secretly fucking everyone's kids. What's going on? Right, right. No, it, it, he's doing this whole humble brag about being rich, yeah. and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, okay, so he's like the anti-Jesus." And and of it, and but no, like the the movie postulates that this is like, this is the person that our hero wants to be. Our our main character is aspiring to be like this <laughs> asshole right. all the way through. Can, can we talk about the hero for a second? He's a <laughs> What's his name? David A.R. White? Um, that- retarded it- Owen Wilson. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I wrote good, Caveman good. Tony Romo, but yeah, <laughs> got the idea. So he's the main character. Are we going to learn his name? Not important. For no. now, he'll be James Every White Man. Perfect. We'll just <laughs> like 18 minutes in, I think it was, was when we actually learned the character's yeah. names. <laughs> right. Mm. Can, can we make him look like Jay Leno fucked Pete the Puma? Yes, we can. <laughs> but we will not be telling you his name yet. And he's constantly covered in a sheen of sweat, start of movie to end of movie. Yeah. Can we just let the audience know that? Every time this guy is on camera, he is sweating. Right. He looks like a backstreet boy that circled the earth at the speed of light 450 times. You just can't, oh no, my birdie! 
<laughs> and that makes my knees hurt when it rains. <laughs> yep. So now, and I guess he is like the like one of the lower deacons or whatever of this church, and it's his job to to teach the the little kids. I guess while Johnny Kingman is fleecing their parents, so mm. we then cut to him uh, in the in the little kids' room teaching the kids about Noah's Ark. And I'm like, who the fuck let Nickelback teach kids Sunday school? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Look at this Bible page! <laughs> <laughs> and now, this is a scene, this is a, obviously a, another example of the atheist sneaking into the writer's mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. here. Yeah, this was, this, I was just like, but there's gonna be a moment where this gets reversed, right? Cause there, there's lots of moments in Christian movies where there's a care, an atheist character or a secular character or whatever who comes forward and is like, how come your God watches while everyone gets raped? And people are like, go fuck yourself. And that's it. The movie's just like, great. What a great answer. No one ever thought of yeah. go fuck yourself before. Hi, you're mm-hmm. a genius. <laughs> Um, but this was weird because the movie didn't address it. The movie usually at yeah. least addresses it with like, yeah, but a rainbow. This time the movie was just like, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up, right? <laughs> exactly. So, and I love that about it. To give it. the backstory here, he's teaching the kids about Noah's Ark. And one of the kids says, everybody died and became bloated floating corpses. And all mm-hmm. of the children react with proper empathy and horror mm-hmm. and disgust reasonable. Yeah. to that story. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, kids. No, no, kids. Fuck those people. <laughs> fuck, fuck those people. That God said fuck those people. That's why he drowned them all. <laughs> but apparently this is this is a horrible thing here because so, his boss is going like, hey, dude, can't you teach kids about global genocide without, you know, upsetting mm. them? Uh, so apparently this is just supposed to be an example of a of a you know, whatever kids pastor doing a bad job because yeah. the Bible is fucking horrible. Is it his fault that the Bible's horrible? <laughs> Can I teach from a different book? Maybe that would help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they they point out that it wouldn't have been that bad, except that the week before he was trying to explain where Cain got his wife from. Right. So, like I can only imagine what that Sunday school would have been like, where he's like, so Cain didn't have a wife, so he just dug a hole in the ground and he just fucked that hole in the ground every night. And God was like, oh no, it's really sad that he's fucking the ground all the time. And now there's a hole full of tears and that's not good. So God came down and like, he just, he just gathered up all of his dirty jizz mud that he'd made in that hole. And, and he used that jizz mud to make a woman for Cain to fuck, but she was ugly, so Cain murdered people. <laughs> the, uh, All right. the prequel to this movie was awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, kids, take your crayons. I want you to draw a jizz mud hole. What would that be? <laughs> Man, everyone wants to use white and brown crayons, huh? <laughs> Why did I even bring the 64-pack? <laughs> like it was at, it was at this point in the movie where Zandy was like fuck it I'm out and so I had to watch the rest of the movie in 5 minute chunks while shitting over the next 3 days. So um I had diarrhea so I got through it it's fine. Um and I'll tell you I enjoyed having diarrhea more than I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> exactly. Um oh and we missed a scene uh we missed the first time that he was a cunt to his wife. So his wife, he's unhappy with his wife, and his wife just goes to him, well, be grateful that you've got a totally sexy wife. And he's like, oh, I can't be grateful. You're my property. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to. And also, I'm, I'm a that. closet mm-hmm. homosexual. I have no idea what... <laughs> mm-hmm. You disgust me. Your body disgusts me. I have to 
I usually have a mouthful of vomit when I put it in you. I, th- <laughs> I thought it was really interesting, the incredible lack of chemistry between these two actors. And they married in real I found that out, and I'm like, no way. Right. That poor marriage. Her poor dusty vagina. I mean, that thing is new, still in box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like an unwrapped action figure. So waiting for someone to play with it. <laughs> so I'll uh, play so, with it. <laughs> you, you can have it, sir. And then this scene, we also meet Aziz Ansari's dad, who is. <laughs> I don't know what this character is supposed to be. He's supposed to be like Hollywood, so he's bright orange tan. Oh, I, I I put him down in my notes as Smarmy Embezzler because I was so sure this guy was going to be the Smarmy Embezzler. And uh, no, no, and no, that's again, this movie don't actually eventually you know makes more sense than they did at the beginning yeah that's yeah. it's just it's not that kind of movie i wrote down toad from the first x-men movie oh that's, very yeah. good yeah very i have him good. as a uh, muslim paul giamatti with a rug yeah. <laughs> you win so now uh uh our our, our hero and i'm not even going to mention him by name because the movie hasn't named him yet um so our hero <laughs> has gotten in trouble because he upset all the kids and tried to explain where Kane's wife uh, came from. So apparently he's now been bumped down on the list of who gets to pastor when or whatever, and he's very upset about that. Yeah, he's 28th on the list, Yeah, which is crazy. But again, here's the thing. I don't know how megachurches work, so a part of me was like, is that real? Because I don't know what's a movie and what's real. So I was like, are there 28 people waiting to preach? We had like a rabbi and a lady who would just serve cookies when he was sick. I don't understand. <laughs> that seems like a lot of organization for some for, for everyone playing pretend. This is like if you went to play house as a little kid, but then you applied for a mortgage. Like you weren't just like <laughs> you were just like okay, so you need to fill out an I nine form <laughs> quarterly. It's like well, wait, I want to just. When am I the doctor? No, no. If you want a doctor, you have to take all this pre-med, sit through a biochemistry lecture. That's how 28 pastors sounds to someone who hasn't been a part of that culture. And I guess what we're supposed to be seeing here is that uh, the, the hero wants to be like a, a wealthy, well-to-do pastor and we're, 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 it's the movie's kind of hinting at like, oh, that's like a bad thing, but the movie doesn't have the balls to say that's a bad thing. So, it, it, you know, we're doing it through, through Aziz Ansari's dad slash toad slash Muslim Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the <laughs> Arabic spleen from Mystery Men. <laughs> and mm-hmm. th- that guy actually gives him some good advice, I, I think. He says, if you, you know, if you you got this degree from divinity school, you're actually going to need something else. And that's – you absolutely should also get a real degree in something in addition to your divinity school degree. That's very good advice to get an MBA or something. Yeah, I guess so. But there's – again, it's a moment where the where the, the movie wants him to be like, I got a degree in business and we're supposed to be like, business. When's he ever going to use business? What did Invisible right. Jesus <laughs> say next? <laughs> <laughs> So, as if we haven't learned enough about how miserable our hero's life is, now we have to go meet his uh, his in-laws, 
<laughs> right. So we come in and Grandpa is telling a gross story. He goes, it lays its larva in the skin. And everyone's like, nah, I can't eat while you're talking about science. Blech. And so then he gives the grandkids gifts. And the the <laughs> storytelling of this movie, we're supposed to be like, Psh, stupid Grandpa giving gifts. But like, that's I a guess. nice thing for grandpas to do is right. give their kids <laughs> gifts. That's right, but we're supposed to be looking at this through the lens of the dad that can't afford the gifts. I guess that's I guess that's what they're going for here. And I also love that because they're trying to emphasize the fact that the the grandparents are rich and and, and everything. So the, <laughs> he gives the kid a polo mallet. Yeah, exactly. I like the that's shining reference though. That was nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, you can't play polo without also a horse and yeah. like seven other people also who have horses. So. It's kind of like his, his grandpa about to give them each some slaves too to play with. He looks like Colonel Sanders. That's a scene so that got cut. Carl Weathington Jr. was a real downer about the whole grandpa gives you slaves for your birthday scene. I don't want to go into it. It's off camera drama. That's true, but he did give multiple iPhones. So he's like, you know, we, a bunch of Chinese children died for this. Here you go. And she's like, I already got one that a bunch of Chinese children died for. And he's like, even more died for this. Hey, one. Nick, Nick, they're not children, they're full grown adults. And they kill themselves because they're so unhappy. Get it right. <laughs> Get it right. How sweaty was everyone in this movie, by the way? Just was everyone. the theme of the film. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like they all did a little bit of cardio before every shoot. It was like, all right, everyone, ten sit-ups before we shoot. Not you, Carl. You don't have to. Good, I can't. If I lie down, I'll die. The weight will crush whatever skeleton I have. Mm-hmm. I'll dissolve into mush. Just <laughs> a big pile of mush. And again, because we're, I guess because they're trying to beat us over the head with just how unhappy and, and unsatisfied with his life the, the main character is, uh, grandpa and grandma start reminding the daughter, or his wife, about all the other guys who would like to fuck her instead of yeah, him. Yeah, I have in my notes, mm-hmm. remember how much those people wanted to fuck you? Fuck you so hard. Fucking so, so hard. It's just like, like 20 minutes of conversation. If I went to Thanksgiving and my mom was like, well, I don't know, you know, during freshman year of college, Eli was poly and he couldn't stop ramming his way through the NYU freshman doors. I'd be like, hey mom, time to wrap it up. I'm gonna go ahead and take your red wine and give you water. <laughs> just like Eli used to wrap it up when he'd ram all of those dudes. And no, I didn't. Um, I, I, I put down. I, I put down that uh, like are for this sailors. is why this is why every time I date a girl, I make sure that she's been excommunicated from a super religious family. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, girl. Before we take this any further, do you talk to your parents? No. All right. Let me just hit the Barry White. Also, there's. There's a weird moment where, like, he's like, I'm a failure. And I was like, I'm on the side of Grandpa. He is a failure. Like, yeah. this is... <laughs> Grandpa's obviously like, oh, you're such a failure. You're just a 27-string preacher at a mega church, And we're supposed to be like, he's not a failure. But he is, though. Yeah. But uh-huh. he is, though. The only... He's a if, sweaty, sweaty, ugly If failure. we're using the supervillain school of success, which is based on money... He is a failure, and if we're using any other standard of goodness yeah. or helping the world, he's a failure. Right. There's exactly. no- like this, this guy brought to mind a word that I haven't used in reference to someone for many years, partly because I'm an adult and I'm a comedian, so I, I think of, I think of like sick burns for people, 
but this guy was just a loser. Yes. Yeah. And like, well, he was just a loser. And he continued to be one throughout the movie. Oh, Again, he never no, stops no. being a loser. No. Yeah. I, no. I mean, spoiler alert, later on in the movie, he will be victorious at one thing, and it's pretty much just because they were like, David, you play pool, right? Like, that's well, later on in this movie, he will win a game of pool. Everything else, he is the Mr. Magoo of the Christian, <laughs> of the white man's burden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this movie is like if Mr. Magoo, there had been a Mr. Magoo cartoon where he liberated Auschwitz. That's when it's just like, <laughs> boink, I knock into the fence and a bunch of skinny Jews come hobbling out. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> From the sound of it, those are deer escaping. <laughs> and so uh, it cuts from that to him being a complete cunt to his wife again. Yes, uh-huh. Um, yeah, and he's like, oh, maybe you could have been the property of someone who's more successful than me. Yeah, I wrote in my – because he goes, you ever wonder what it would be like to be married to a woman? And I wrote in my notes, every day, now I'm soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly right. There was a thin coating of vaginal mist over the set that day, which is why everyone's so sweaty. Solved it. Good job, Eli. <laughs> I win god-awful movies. The final episode. <laughs> which, by the way, Lily White, vaginal to, to speak to how little chemistry they have, she turns to him mm. when he's doing that, like, I'm such a loser modeling. She goes, James, honey, baby. And I just wanted her to be like, sugar, pony. Fan just can't stop saying colloquial names until blood runs out of her mouth and she collapses. <laughs> that was yeah. That, I mean, that's the quality of dialogue that we got in this movie, though. Yeah, he basically he says, "Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be married to a senator?" She's like, "Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be married to a man who's married to a woman who could have been married to a senator?" It's like, "Oh, I just fucking up. Shut up." And again, I was like, "Am I high?" I feel like someone right. gave me yeah. PCP and was like, look at him, he's trying to watch a blank screen. <laughs> like I was just in the corner facing my dog's cage being like, ha ha, David, all right, you're never going to help the guy from Seinfeld get into the university for hard knocks. Boop, 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 <laughs> And I also want to point out that the movie makes it very clear, at least on two occasions in the first five minutes, that he drinks water, not alcohol. Yeah, which is very rude. Yeah. A, not Christian. B, very rude. The, the yeah, grandpa's like, how about some scotch or bourbon or something? And he's like, Pfft. and then he's holding water. And it's like, oh, so we missed the scene where he was rude. Because it's not it's not rude right. to forget it if you don't drink. Because you can be like, oh, no, thanks. But there's just like, blonk, we get, a, we get a cut shot to him drinking water. So we're supposed to believe that he was like, fuck no, man. No scotch for me. And he was like, well, that's weird. Weird of you to say no, when you're in my later, home. Later on, and we, later on, and we will get to it. He's in a bar, right? And he's like, orders a water, and there's a guy having a drink next to him, and he literally drinks his water, going, mm, 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 water, mm, mm, refreshing, refreshing water. There's no alcohol in this. Nuh -uh. No way. Not touching any alcohol to my lips. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, they weren't exactly subtle about things in this to movie. To be fair, and uh David A.R. White used this movie as an example of his sobriety for his DUI hearing. So oh, that was <laughs> they cut a bunch Look, of the I scenes. I can make together. a movie and the judge is like guilty. <laughs> right. Well, Your Honor, if you'll watch this montage I made, uh 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 delicious water, huh? <laughs> Even in the movies I don't drink. You killed a kid. Did I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he didn't, by the way, in case anybody's wondering, at least as uh, far not, as not That's Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner killed a kid. <laughs> what? I used the right name. I used the right name. <laughs> <laughs> she killed someone with her car. <laughs> but if you're referring to somebody before they transition, then you refer to their previous. Don't no, you? they don't no, like to be I dead didn't. names. That's dead naming. Okay. Yeah. She oh, killed someone with her car. Z, <laughs> make sure Z is a murderer. Yeah, yeah exactly. She yeah, exactly. murdered someone. <laughs> yeah, herself. And then it's her fault. From the scene. I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then let's get back to the movie because why? God, the hell guys, not? we're um, so PC. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did that. We nailed that. We nailed that. So, um, anyway, so we cut back to the church. Now we're back at mega church, and uh, we see that um, the guy's son is sleeping at church because brother White Devil is a bad father. And so now we get—I I don't know—we're like maybe ten, twelve minutes into the movie or something, and we get our second um, Johnny Kingman preaching thing here. And this is the most bizarre goddamn fucking monologue I've ever heard come out of a person's lips. Because he's talking about, like, take a swim in Lake U, climb to the top of Mount U. And I'm thinking, like, in any other context, that's a masturbation euphemism, isn't it? That's like, you know, be the master of your domain. I mean, but apparently it's supposed to mean something else in this world. They took this speech from the crumpled, thrown away notes in Tony Robbins' trash can. Like, so even he was like, I know I look like a giant monster, but these, I'm not going to get away with this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you have to understand, though, that a lot of the time the preaching in mega churches, a lot of it could actually be euphemisms for masturbation. Like, very, very often. It's, it's very heavy handed. You know, they're not, uh, yeah. Heavy handed could be a euphemism kind of for masturbation, yeah. too, now that, now that you mentioned yeah. it. But that, like seriously, especially if it's like, Tony Robbins the laying on of hands and you know, <laughs> Lord, come and fill me, and yeah, it's like, yeah. dude. Yeah. I don't know. think that's masturbation at that point. Rivers of living water like, oh. pouring forth from your spit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, um, I guess our our hero, Pastor or Brother White or whatever, is is so excited and so thrilled by this the, the, this moving. Uh, uh, preaching thing that the guy's doing that he stands up to get all excited but he just can't stand up properly so he knocks mm. some stuff over well, so once I, again I, I wrote down like because it looked to me like he was just trying to get off that damn stage and so what I wrote down is oh my god I'm so sweaty I need to change my shirt <laughs> and then he charges off the stage and kicks a hole through a poster right. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's and he ruins a cardboard cutout and his yeah. line is I can pay you back I'm good with payment plans. And I was like, dude, cardboard cutouts are like yeah. five bucks, like seven. Yeah. <laughs> How much does that church pay Do them? have Holy shit. that money? <laughs> Did you check your couch cushions? <laughs> There's usually something in there. Well, well, yeah. How much does that fucking poster cost? Years of payment? Is it made from Jesus's actual skin? <laughs> well, actually, it's inconclusive. I mean, I'm the scientist who did the same thing on the Shroud of Turin, and you can't really say one way or the other whether or not it's made from the Shroud of Jesus. Really? All science says it's not the skin of Jesus. Okay, maybe, maybe. But on the other hand, look at this little old Italian lady. She swears that she can, I don't know. They're stupid. They get stupid as they get she older. Am I right? <laughs> Why don't you go fix some more paintings grandma all right i'll do this one it looks like a monkey (laughs) (laughs) helping helping (laughs) looks better now (laughs) 
Boop, boop, I, wish, I wish we had a I wish we had a visual <laughs> medium. Um, so yeah, the um, I, I'm sure in the script or whenever they thought this up, it was supposed to be that he broke something expensive, but they didn't have the budget to break something expensive, so he had to kick a hole in a poster. And we're all supposed to just roll with that. Oh, that must have been a really expensive poster. And he gets fired because of it. Ish. Ish. Well, he gets Ish. sent yeah, exactly. down. He's, he gets sent to Atlanta, and there's this crazy. And again, we have this crazy moment. He goes to his family. He's like, there's this church down in Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. And get, they go down, and there's this moment that never gets resolved in the movie where the family's like, don't take me away from my life. I have friends here. I'm happy here. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you love peaches. And that's it. It's just like, uh. But I made him, when they sent him down, Anna, and I credit where credit is due, made a major revelation about this movie. This movie is the sound of music, except instead of children, it's black people. It's about a religious figure and how do we solve a problem like David R. Y. And so he gets sent to the place. There's even a moment later where he talks about his favorite things. This this movie is the sound of music, but instead of black white children, it's black people and they have a concert and they escape the Nazis. It all makes sense. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I actually made the note from, like, as soon as he got to Georgia and his first interactions with black people, I wrote down, black people are still slaves in this universe. The civil rights movement never happened. Apparently, yeah, nobody <laughs> told him about the emancipation thing. Like, that's, that's <laughs> the impression that I got from him getting to Georgia. Yeah, and, and by the way, you can tell you're in Georgia because... Lady Smith Black Mombazo is singing to you everywhere you go. The music comes on. It's ridiculous. There's like elephants. It's a safari. <laughs> right. They're shooting across Atlanta. They have no idea what Atlanta There's a monkey like. holding a lion cub up on every corner to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> you got to wait until they're done with their thing. They get very aggressive. <laughs> And by the way, the reason that they know that, that they don't know what it's like in Atlanta, Georgia is because they filmed these uh, parts in Inglewood. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, no. <laughs> but we, everyone we watching this movie like was that. like, sure, they're in Georgia. Look at all the... Ni- uh, wait, sorry. No, sorry. They're black people. <laughs> black pe- I said black people. Oh. I said but I don't have to put a dollar in the jar. No, I don't. Because I, sta- I, I started nice. to say it, but then I didn't finish. <laughs> you have to put 50 cents in. <laughs> So, yeah, so he has to break it to his family that he's going to move him from hip, cool L.A. to shitty Atlanta, Georgia. Mom doesn't want to go, but she does what she's told because she doesn't have a penis. Right, she's Once property. again, we see him kind of just rolling mm-hmm. over her. Mm-hmm. But not literally rolling over her because that no, would mean no, contact. And no. He'd have to go into the bathroom and think about Nick Cannon for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's my dick in a box. All right, I'm ready to go. Shut up, shut up. Don't say anything. (laughs) Maybe don't shave. Maybe just let your leg hair grow out a little bit. Like, the the only time that he ever fucked her was through a glory hole with a picture of a dude stuck on his side. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or maybe she wore, like, one of those little... A Ronald Reagan mask. Mm. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Hey there, sport. (laughs) Put a baby in my butt. God, if I had a nickel for every time I've done Ronald Reagan saying, put a baby in my butt. (laughs) Oh, I need new material. (laughs) No, you don't, dude. That one will never die. So they go to, they go to Georgia. 
and and apparently they arrive in Georgia via a prostitute's apartment or something. I because they're clearly not coming out of an airport. They're clearly not coming out of a bus mm-hmm. station or anything like that. They seem to be coming out of the red light district when they get p- picked up by Reginald Vell Johnson, who. Uh, I believe Eli's been ident- identifying as Carl Weatherington that's, 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 or something Car- like that. Carl Winslow from Vanity. Well, Carl Winslow, yeah, right. yeah is yeah. also there, but <laughs> he, we had so, a weird hybrid name. He looks on. so <laughs> terrible in this movie. I have, oh my god. I have pages of notes about his physical appearance. He is, he's in such <laughs> terrible shape that in this movie they shoot him like a pregnant sitcom actress. Yes! Like, yes. when that Lily <laughs> was pregnant for How I Met Your Mother and just, she was always holding something in front of her and same with Rachel right. and friends. That's what they had to do with this man because he climbed into a cloning machine at the same time as a bowl of pudding. Like the fucking fly from Jeff Goldblum. And he came out the other side and he was like, well, this is what I look like now. Oh my god, you're horrifying. Nah, it's fine. I live down south. <laughs> I would say one third. It's not, it's always the extras. It's none ex- except for this guy. It's always the extras in this movie. But one third of the bodies in this movie are surrealistic horrorscapes. Like Salvador yes, yes. Dali yes. When it made BD, BBW porn. That's what we're looking at. Is, is, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes, the women are big and beautiful, but they are also melting. <laughs> his body looks like a fat woman standing backwards. That's what his <laughs> physical form is at this point. I'm not... Usually men don't have a front butt. <laughs> And I want to point out again, like the, the, the where this movie was filmed, y- you know, there's no like Atlanta has buildings in it and shit. You know, I mean, this, this is clearly not even like a remote analog to what Atlanta, Georgia, because they they keep saying, oh, we live in the hood, we live in the ghetto and shit, but they're obviously not in a bad part of a city. No, it's, it, uh, anyway, the way the way this movie has defined being in a bad part of the city is that there are black people there. That's the right. Only, yes. The yes. others in the movie yes. were like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, well, do you want to shoot this in the projects? No, 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 no. We'll just put black people in it. They'll get it. That's right. But this movie goes even further than that. Like, the definition of a bad person in this movie is just a black person. Oh, like, yeah. They don't even go. There's a bad guy that gets introduced in a minute whose, like, only thing that he does bad is being a black guy. Right. Right. And looking like Barack Obama. Well, there's yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty unforgivable. Yeah. <laughs> but first, we have to meet the the most racist character in this movie who who pops into the window like a fucking muppet. Yep. <laughs> and gets more cartoonish from there. He pops yes. his head in the window and is like, "Hi, hey, everybody!" And then becomes more cartoonish from there. Now, now you said Carl Winslow looks like he was put through the fly machine that Jeff Goldblum went with with a bowl of pudding. This guy is just two bowls of pudding. <laughs> His name is Clayton Hamilton. He uh-huh. uses the word freezerator, and if yeah. I ever get crazy billionaire money, I'm going to replace all of the books on Audible with this guy's voice reading all of the books. Yo, Wizard Harry! Stan Hagrid or some shit! Oh, I would love The meth to is really kicking in, people! Play. The meth is really kicking in! <laughs> Oh, it's also probably worth pointing out that this act, this scene actually begins because they're moving their stuff in. It actually begins with the wife telling two black men what to do. Right. As they bring and as she's furniture. telling them where to move the couch. I wrote in my notes, do do they have slaves? 
Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Again, again, this world, slavery still exists. Apparently. By the way, fun game to play while we watch this movie. Try to learn as much as you can about black culture. So things black people do, according to this movie, climb in the second floor window of random strangers. So that's yes, that's random one. Random white one, people. Uh, yep, got one it. One thing about black culture. They also call refrigerators freezer raiders. Freezer raiders, right. Freezer raiders. Uh, they don't too. speak English oh, very uh, well. <laughs> No. Let, let me point out as well that this is a second floor. This guy didn't climb up to the second floor. Somebody let him down on a rope, okay? Because that's the only way this guy didn't die of a heart attack. <laughs> Mission Impossible swings right in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Freezerator! Fucking crazy. Also, another thing we learned about black culture, they'll wear a cabbie's cap to come pick you up even if they're not a cab driver. <laughs> they just love to wear little hats. Little servant hats. Where's but that now, commercial? Little see, servant you, hats. It's going to be in the interstitials. Um, so I... Uh, I, I want to point out, though, because you guys keep acting like this movie is racist, but it's not because the homeless guy is, is white. white. That's true. Yeah, but he's so dirty, he looks black. Oh, He's covered in that's, black that's, dirt. Yeah. Like, uh, repeatedly, those homeless people, I'm like, are they going for blackface? Like, that <laughs> thought occurred to me while watching this movie. And also, we wouldn't be surprised. We wouldn't be like, oh, no. blackface in this movie? We'd be like, oh, right. they got blackface in this one. Good. Good. I was waiting for this logical, day. It's here. Logical yeah. next Look, step. Oh, I got, I got Christian movie bingo. Yay, blackface. <laughs> <laughs> Christian movie bingo. That's our next goal. Kickstarter. <laughs> Um, also, I just want to point out how Christian it is to have a scene where the pastor is disgusted by the smelly homeless man, and yes, then uh-huh. upon yes. him touching his chair, he would rather give it away. That's exactly. the Christian, that's the protagonist of this movie. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, he's gonna help him. Oh no, he's fucking not. He's like, ugh, you touched my chair, fine, keep it. And that is it. That is the only interaction he has with this homeless man, aside from yeah. making him pay full price for a ticket to a yeah. Christian Later. concert yeah. in the entire film. In pennies and nickels, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and then that's when we, uh, that's when we get to meet evil Barack Obama. Uh, I'm sorry, that's redundant in a Christian movie, isn't it? That's yeah. where we get to meet Barack Obama character, who is the black banker who wants to destroy this new church, or this old so, church. So that- at this point in the movie, my brain broke, and I started <laughs> telling a completely different story, where, like, this guy is the hero, and he's trying to um, save all of these homeless people in this neighborhood by tearing down a useless <laughs> Almost empty church in order to build public housing. (laughs) And this white guy turns up and uses the power of racism to block this guy's uh, community project because it's much better to have a room to go and wish for things. Yeah, exactly. That's actually the movie we were watching. That is the plot. Okay, sorry. I thought my brain broke. I apologize. (laughs) No, you just just accurately summed up this film. Yeah, I wrote. I wrote. He looks like Barack Obama if John Boehner had died of a heart attack in two thousand and three. Just like very (laughs) stress free, very like 
Hey, how's it going? No gray in my hair. I've, I've just been kept up doing a lot of basketball. No one's tried to stop me from running the government for eight years in a row. I smoke, but I outlasted him. <laughs> so yeah, oh, but so accurate. Like almost every Christian movie, this this movie completely transposes good guy and bad guy. So the guy who it, his stated goal in the movie is to develop more public housing is the bad guy because he wants to put the public housing where this credit, church that can't pay its mortgage is. Credit where credit is due. He is introduced as just wanting to tear down the building. So I think I'm used to normal human movies. So I'm like, I get it. His plot's going to be, we'll tear down the church and build a strip club or tear down the church. Right. I, I mean, it's better. But, but, but you know, something yes. movie <laughs> trope. We'll tear down the church and build a, a rape factory. You know, something like that. <laughs> but he turns what? out to want to build public housing which is so fucking crazy that's that's like if he was like we're tearing down the church and building a homeless shelter and everyone was like oh no a homeless shelter gross (laughs) yep what are they gonna do we know how stinky those homeless people are if they touch your belongings they get to keep them yeah right right (laughs) so then we go we cut to uh to pastor honky i mean brother honky um seeing his new church and his new office. And this is where we meet this very weird character, um, Delcy. Oh, black Jennifer Tilly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I wrote exactly the same. Oh, black Jennifer (laughs) Tilly. Black Jennifer Tilly is a raspy secretary. Yeah. Yeah. Like a darker Halle Berry with tuberculosis. And if you want something to jerk off to in this movie, Oh, <laughs> rock but, hard. You could hang a towel on me every time this woman was on screen. She talks like a baby that has throat cancer. Yes, exactly. They told her to play this the part. Girl like... is also a, a professional dominatrix. Like, that's her other job. She's a, she's a secretary for a pastor, and then at night she goes out and beats men's testicles with a writing Oh, cup. she must. I wrote, awesome. I wrote, cause she's, she's afraid. When this character is introduced, well, first of all, he comes in, uh, and Clayton is there again because we can't get enough of this character. He says, how you whites doing? How you whites doing? And I yes. forgot that their last name was White for a second. And I was just like, whoa, movie, movie too far. Then he steals the pastor's sandwich and leaves. This yeah, is wait, 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 wait. I, I, I made a note about that. I wrote down Clayton equals food thief. Usually I'd be mad at someone for that. But if the whites all starve to death so that this movie can end, I'll make him the biggest sandwich I can. Yeah, exactly. Like a pound of bacon between two loaves Be of Be like bread. a fucking Dagwood cartoon. Exactly. <laughs> Things black people do. Yeah. Steal sandwiches out of your hands. So yeah, he goes culture class. and he meets black Jennifer Tilly. I don't know if she has a real name. First of all, she doesn't say her name clearly enough that I ever understood her name. It's like Desley or Dresley or so. I have no. Delcy. Delcy. Okay. Oh no. She whispers the entire film. I was too busy seeing furiously masturbating, but she is terrified of him. She is terrified of him. And like you said before, I think the last pastor did something terrible to her. Right. This is not, this is not the behavior of a shy person. I have shy friends. They're just soft spoken. They're not like, (laughs) when someone puts a traffic cone inside you, you end up talking this way. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Delcy, you've got to make it all the way down to the bottom if you want to get home. (laughs) 
I didn't make those character choices. Blame this actress. <laughs> and then get me her phone number. <laughs> so then we have to go meet the, uh, uh or we, we end up going back to the church to meet Jack A, whose character I have, I have no idea. Is this the sexy child? Uh, no, she's the one teaching the sexy okay, child. Okay, so this is, uh, this is, <laughs> this sexy child will come back at the very end of the movie, but I just wrote, <laughs> this sexy child is gonna sing, so she does sexy child singing. This is a tw- 13 year old girl? Yeah, let's go, let's say 15 since you've already described her as sexy so often, but yeah, yeah probably. About I mean, 13. listen, she can be 12. She's a sexy child. She's singing sexy child songs. Yeah, creepy Christian. Yeah, pedophile grooming. There's no way they were not like, hey, can we sex it up a little bit? If they wanted this character to be like an innocent child singing, they wouldn't have her first scene be her being like, put it in. I'm just saying, that's what, that's the first thing she's doing. She's like, and she's like, oh, your notes are so great. They're going to be so great for the church choir. And I was like, I don't remember the part in the Ave Maria where someone gets their fist inside themselves. <laughs> At which point we are introduced to Willie, who introduces himself to uh, A.R. White's sexy teenage daughter. Yeah, yeah, Emma. Emma, yeah. yes. And she wanted her some dark chocolate right away. Right, which I yeah. thought was very strange. Listen, there is there is no question that if there are people over 50 who were a part of making, writing, or having anything to do with this movie, that they were against mixing the races at some point. So this is such <laughs> a strange choice. My notes are so filled with don't mix the races based on this movie. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is them overcompensating for that. They're like, no, we can't come across as racist. So, like, the actual line, the dad goes to the daughter and him, and he goes, you guys are about the same age, right? And then he just turns away, because he never actually listens to his daughter. No. He only ever speaks at her at, <laughs> like a complete arsehole. He is an arsehole to his daughter, right? right. So, the line is, uh, you guys are about the same age, but what he's really saying is, you guys should fuck. <laughs> fuck each other. You want to fuck my daughter? Can you fuck my daughter and film it on your phone and then send that file to me so that I can jerk off to, while I put my hand over her side of the screen while I'm fucking my wife, I can just look at you pumping and thrusting into something that looks kind of like my wife in order for me to get some inspiration. <laughs> See, Willie, it's like a, it's like a mud hole. You know, I don't know if you've heard this story. It's like a dirt yeah. hole. You dig, you fill it with jizz, and then it turns into a woman. Hey, <laughs> listen, I don't need to tell you about fucking a mud hole. Am I right? You're black. Don't mix the races. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I call Willie throughout this movie Trayvon Martin. So. Okay. <laughs> so Trayvon Martin comes wow. up. Amadou so, Diallo know. comes up to Emma. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many names I can use. <laughs> And one more thing, he says, um, he instructs Vera, Vina, sorry, Vina, that mm-hmm. what he wants is some razzmatazz. Yes. He wants some razzmatazz, which is vi- not only super duper racist, but it's a really mm-hmm. horrible thing to watch those actors do, because you can see the black actress be like, razzmatazz, huh? Someone wrote down the line, razzmatazz. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Craft services. Here we go. <laughs> Which yeah. she says, listen here, Wayne Newton. The line that got cut out, she actually pointed at him and said, listen here, you nickelback looking motherfucker. <laughs> and then David uh, R. White started crying hysterically and they were like, yeah. oh, David, we're going to change the line. We'll change the line. <laughs> 
we'll change. She really didn't like, mean like it. And he was Newton. like, blonde, frosted, tips look good though, right? And everyone was like, they look so good. They look so good. You're like a rock star, but for Jesus. I am like a rock star for Jesus. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Who's a rock star for Jesus? I am. So then we get uh, our first shot of him casting. Right. And he introduces his wife as Lily White, which we talked about that his wife's name is Lily White, which is horrifying. But uh-huh. I didn't re- he talks about it earlier. I didn't realize that. So I wrote in my notes, "My god, her name is Lily White. Is the daughter's name Snow and the son's name Heso?" Cuz then he <laughs> <laughs> So he's trying to preach uh, he's not even really trying to preach. What he says when he gets on stage is, Hi, my name is Nickelback-looking motherfucker, and I'm a giant fucking loser. Look at how much of a giant fucking loser I am. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear whenever oh, and- a pastor preaches, though, to be fair. Like, I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, <laughs> you can do it that's, smoothly. That's, or- a, that's, that's a good call. Good call. Yeah, yeah, and then, exactly. of course, he cannot, in fact, get an amen. Right. Oh, and he's trying to be his own hype man. He's trying to be his own hype man, but... He's so bad at talking to people on an interpersonal level. He's so bad at talking to his family, and he can't preach at all. Like, this guy has got serious communication issues. <laughs> yeah, so he tries to pass, and it's it, and it's really bad, and then so he's depressed again. Um, and he goes to a diner. The Silver um, Skillet. I wrote yes. in my notes, it's pretty thug here at the, the, at the <laughs> Silver <laughs> Skillet. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And of course, at the diner, we've got a bunch of thugs chilling, you know, like thugs do. And they come over, they're like, what the hell's a white guy doing there? So they go over to give him shit or rob him or whatever it is that black people do. <laughs> yep. Things black people do. Intimidating white people at diners. Yeah. Very menacingly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Here's the crazy part. They're trying to intimidate him, but all of them keep calling him officer and pretend, like, if they actually thought that he was a cop, they'd be the fuck out of there. Right. More than likely, yeah. Otherwise Not according to theblaze.com. I don't know. I read a lot like of theblaze.com, and it seems like <laughs> black thugs like to start fights with cops. From what I've read, <laughs> listen, oh, I spend okay, a lot of okay. time on Donald Trump's fan page on Facebook, and it appears to me that what happens is they like to start fights, usually using their backs. They run away from them, and that's, <laughs> that's then they turn around and get you. That's when they because you run away, you run towards them to help them. They turn run around and get you. It's a tackle. I can't describe. It. I'm not super good at Krav Maga yet. I take classes on Thursdays, but I'm gonna be, and that's when I'll be able to fight all the blacks. I wrote in my note here when they they circle around him. I was like, there's, I I will not be able to continue watching this movie if there's a scene where he gets the shit kicked out of him by a bunch of black guys. But if he did, how fast would he have his dick out? Like that's the question. Oh no, they're beating like, me up. Oh, I hope finally. they don't rape me. And he's just he's he's just pulled his pants down and laid yeah. himself out into child's pose. And they're like, "Hey man, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna rape me." No, no man. No. We just we <laughs> no one sure? has touched you yet. <laughs> oh, who pulled my pants down? You did. Why aren't you wearing underwear? <laughs> Oh, I what? must have forgot because I'm so <laughs> rapable. <laughs> and, and while he's doing this, he, like he's actually pulling his ass cheeks apart, and it looks like his ass is what he's just starfishing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at which point oh, we're you introduced. Guys would have made a way better movie. Yeah. At, at which point we are reduced. Uh, we're introduced to Senyo Amawaku, who was criminal in 
Do You Believe? Yes. And in this uh-huh. movie is named Easy Eight. <laughs> and actually, let me point out, this guy is acting not bad. Like, uh, out of everyone in the movie, this guy, I actually had a little bit of... And maybe my brain broke again while I was watching this, but it seems to me that this guy is the hero of the movie. In a sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Like, this is a this is a separate movie within a movie now, but, like, he's this main character who uh, is, we find out, estranged from his family and doesn't go to church, and so because of that reason, everyone treats him like a criminal, despite the fact that he does zero crime. Yeah, right, he right, does exactly. zero crime in this movie. He seems to just watch the community and have, like, a neighborhood watch program that he's exactly. in charge of. This guy is the most responsible, caring person in this film, and all of the Christians treat him like God. And he has a, he has a yeah. business card, too. Easy 8 has a business card, <laughs> yeah. which he hands to him what? at the end of the scene. Oh, you're a record producer. Yeah. Yeah, because they produce records. Also, I wanted to throw this out there. It's such a white fear thing to do to make him a white, uh, to make him a record producer. That's such a like a, well, criminals need a cover and we all know that most rap musicians are secretly drug dealers. Am I right? (laughs) It's like, you know nothing about the music industry. If you had a music production conference, everyone there looks like me. They're like, Morty, how are you? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) So proud to hear about die and woods die. You know, it's not our word to use, you know. Anyways, it's fantastic. Congratulations again. A mitzvah Hayim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, man, I'm a record producer. Continually, like, he's uh, firstly a record producer and then a businessman, and it becomes extremely obvious to me that David A.R. White, the uh, the writer-director of this uh, main star. actor... Of Writer-director, the, star. The, 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 yeah, the, the person... The Cinematographer. Shit. He's completely missed the fact that this guy is is the good guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's a businessman who's struggling to make his record label work while he's living in a place with a slumped economy. We know it has a slumped economy because of the high homelessness population and the need for, for new public housing. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to get by. That's what this movie is about. Right. But because he's black, he's just assumed to be a thug in this movie. Exactly. And we just we just roll with that. But not just because he's black. It, it becomes super clear once all of the people in the church are talking shit about this guy. The reason he's looked down upon is because he left the church. Right. He was in the church. He left the church. Now they're like, oh, oh yeah, he's a businessman. <laughs> like, that's the way they say it. And you're supposed to think, okay, they mean he's a criminal, but... I was actually I was watching this. I'm like, they're just saying that because he's trying to make it on his own without them. Right, right. Uh, no, that's, wow, you got like way deeper into this character than anyone involved in the movie. Uh, I, got, I got extremely into this character. He, Wait until the end of the movie when I cry, okay? His mother tells his little brother that he's dead. That he's dead! What a right. horrible... Because he doesn't go to church. That's the one reason. He's been kicked out of his family... Because he didn't, because he doesn't go to church, and he's been treated like crap, and he's just trying to get by. And we'll get to what he eventually does later. Mm-hmm. But this guy has shown more honesty and integrity than any other person in this film. And again, I think it's worth pointing out to the people who are listening that this is actually what's happening in this movie. This is the character that they're postulating, and they're not pretend. They're not recognizing that that's a bad thing for the church to mm-hmm. have done to this person. Is mm-hmm. in, in other words, like his story arc here, his character arc is to come back to the church so they can. Accept him once more. Yeah, there's no, no one ever goes, I'm sorry for telling your little brother that you were dead. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Oh, did we miss the part where he got punched by an abusive father? Oh, we haven't gotten to that yet. No, no. we haven't gotten to that okay. yet. Don't don't worry. Don't worry. I have 85 pages of notes. I wrote an Anna Karenina-sized novel of notes about that scene and how this movie handles it. Oh, my God. That was so fucked up. So, yeah, basically, so Carl Winslow comes in and he goes, we believe in you, person that we just met yesterday. You can do it, even though we've seen no signs to indicate that you have any kind of acumen for this type of job. Though, to be fair... Part of church is believing in things that there's no evidence for. So he's oh, just, right, right. he's just business as usual. That's, that's the only thing that he has down. He's got no speaking ability. He's got no personality. He's got no intelligence. He's got no substance. He's, but yet yeah, he can believe, he can believe his ass off about some right. stuff that he has no evidence he writes, for. There's this moment where he goes, that is, if we have time, and he was talking about money. But in my notes, mm. I wrote, is that because all the blood is chapped in the bottom half of your body? <laughs> yeah old heart can't pump anything to the top half of my body anymore if you could squeeze me like a galoompa goomp that you buy for seven tickets at the arcade that'd be great who can hold on to carl winslow i miss bruce willis we used to do sit-ups together are you bruce willis no blood in my eyes anymore by the way, they say they're behind on the mortgage. Mm-hmm. First of all, black people can't get bank loans for mortgages. That's ridiculous. But if they could, things black people do fall behind on loan payments. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh-huh. they've created a conflict, just like in movies. <laughs> right. Exactly. And now this is where we come into the uh, come across the child abuser that shows up in this movie to just um, abuse a child without consequences. Yeah, exactly. In the end of that exactly. sentence, abuse a child without consequences, because that I, I, what I happens was... in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. He spills, so he's shaking his son and yelling at him, and then, first of all, this actor is the worst actor in the film. There's a lot of bad acting in the movie, but he reads his lines, like there are cue cards written on David A.R. White's eyelids. Yeah. And he's like, hey man, stop blinking so much. You don't <laughs> tell me who to mm-hmm. do that <laughs> don't know do that so then he's like don't hit your kid hit me so he punches him in the face and, and like this is one of the times in the movie where like there is a little bit of like reflection afterwards and so he's just sitting down with like a, a, a punched face and he's like yeah no no that's that's right i i should just uh, ignore child yeah the other characters are like what are you doing dude sorry my bad let people hit their kids have you read the bible man (laughs) (laughs) none of your business bro was he using a stick bigger than his Mm -hmm. thumb is that what's going on (laughs) was he not hitting him hard enough were you like giving him wrist advice because you gotta you gotta flick (laughs) your wrist out that's it As long as the kid recovers within 48 hours, he's he's good. He's good, according to Deuteronomy. And if we, if you think we're ever going to go back to that child that's being abused, mm -mm, mm -mm. not really. We're never going to talk about child abuse in this movie again. We're gonna no. we're gonna talk a lot about mortgage law, not so much about child abuse. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna just kind of leave that one hanging open. So uh, yeah, so they're trying to figure out what they can do to 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 um 
fix or to to save the church. And I love they they have this sort of this discussion about how much they owe and how much they make and everything like that. And I I just start I just wrote in here I was just like just let's add banks to the list of things this movie doesn't understand. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we've got a we've got a mortgage which means that once a month we have to put all the money in a bucket and then they come and they send a they send a horse which eats all of it, but if it doesn't poop out 4 pounds of money poop, then we're going to go under. They're going to take the building. It would... <laughs> so, yeah, so they go to a skinny Allstate guy uh, to see if maybe they'll extend the loan or, or renegotiate, but he uh, won't because, you know, the last thing banks want is to resolve financial problems. Yeah, I wrote, Juice Fast Trevor money. Noah doesn't want to doesn't want to help the church. <laughs> he wants to help the people who go to the church. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, correct. <laughs> so he basically, bad Barack Obama says, well, we're going to do it anyways, at which point um a melting pile of snow cone explains that the church is go fuck yourself, go fuck yourself, blah, blah, blah. Well, he says, I'm tired of talk. And I'm like, you were at a meeting with a banker. What did you expect, anal? <laughs> right, I, mean, exactly. you're I was gonna... expecting that you would just be like, fine, you don't ever have to pay your mortgage. That's <laughs> right. how mortgages work. Red stamp. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Brother Honky comes up with the brilliant idea that they can save the church if they have a concert. But first, we've got to get to the uh, to the billiard showdown. Because okay, pa- how many times did he sink the red ball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- this is because <laughs> I think he only sunk red balls. Like, what game were they playing where he keeps sinking a red ball and then pulling it out of the pocket and putting it somewhere else on the table and then sinking it again? It's like uh, it's a game that he made up. That's the only reason that he won. He's like, would you like to play a game of pool as to whether you stay in town or whether I help you out? And he's like, yeah, but the game we're going to play is called Fiddly Waddle Woes. And all we do is sink red balls. <laughs> yeah, th- these people have never been inside a bar or seen a pool table once in their life. They like To get into the bar, you have to climb over the pool table, first of all. And right. I-, I think it's because they're terrified of real bars, so they had to shoot the scene inside a storage unit, which they <laughs> did for several other oh, scenes, too. And let me point out, this is one of those scenes where he's drinking water going, mm-mm-mm, water, <laughs> yay, <laughs> I like water, water is so good. Also, he he's supposed to have swept the table, which is a thing that you can do in pool if you're playing with someone who doesn't know how to play but it's they do it in this movie again where he hits not only does he hit the red ball twice he hits the red ball twice um which is even numbered if you know anything about pool then he hits two odd numbers then he sinks the um eight ball while there are still uh, even numbers and odd numbers on the table so i have no idea this is what I'm saying. He's playing Tiddly Widdly Shuns, which is an entirely made up game, and that's the only reason he won. And this black guy, is, is, Easy Eight, is playing along because he's like, oh, this guy's mentally handicapped. Oh, I'm really sorry for the way that I treated him earlier. Yeah, right. I, I, better, I better be nice to him, I suppose. Well, I also want to point out just how fucking bad it pool was this actor because like okay every shot that they show him making while he's running the table the ball is like hanging halfway off the fucking it's already in the pocket basically but still they don't use him to make the shots they're still using someone else they don't actually show except for once him making a shot and they're all these like ridiculously easy shots 
and, and and that shot where he made the shot, he's so sweaty. You know that this is the fiftieth right. time he tried to hit that fucking ball. <laughs> there's an actual there's an actual action shot where where the cue ball's not involved in a shot he makes. There's there's a cue ball sitting still on the table during the shot, and he's doing something else. <laughs> no, I'd never been to, like the racks and octagon. They had never seen a pool table before. Yeah, this this is like when you watch people play chess on TV. And, and and they get the the two move checkmate. It's like yeah. gah, gah, checkmate. Really? How did nope, the did he move exist. his king off the table? <laughs> get up and leave. <laughs> this where the horse moves forward eight spaces. Check queen kingmate. But, except except in that game that you're proposing, Eli, he doesn't go and grind up against the other player at one point. Yeah. <laughs> He's just Which trying he to even did. the odds. He's trying to convince him to rape him again. Oh, maybe you raped me. Oh, no. Maybe I beat you so bad at pool that you raped me. He walks walks up until his chest is touching this other guy, and then he puts the stick behind his back, and then he pushes his pelvis forward into that other guy and takes a shot behind his back. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Um, So, now I guess we should mention that the reason that that they're locked in this pool battle to the death is because he wants easy eight to get some famous people to come to a free concert for his concert uh, for his uh, church to save the church and this is how they're going to settle it like if he wins at pool then easy eight is going to go find famous people for him and of course he wins at pool and then celebrates with a nice tall glass of h2o there's also a weird moment where he, I, just at the beginning where he's trying to challenge them to pool where he goes, ah, pool was a great way to relax during the ecclesiology and <laughs> testosology yeah. sections and I'd beat the brothers and everyone's like, oh, and he goes, oh no, I mean like the other people at my, I didn't beat African American people. Bro- brother with an A. Why, why did we keep this line in the movie? This is. <laughs> Cut. So <laughs> I'm the director. <laughs> uh, and also, I just want to point out, watch the extras in this scene. There are some men in this movie who are terrifyingly oh. fat. Terra, mm-hmm. I'm not a small dude, but there are people in this movie that you're just like, I don't know how you did that. That seems like a challenge. It seems harder than exercise for them to be like, as fat as they are in this film. I, I think that they got extras for this film by going down to the diabetes ward and offering candy as payment. <laughs> See, I got the distinct impression they paid everyone involved in this movie with indulgences. So now, you know, because Easy 8 has so much respect for his billiard skills, they're friends... And he invites or, or, him over for or dinner. Or he feels sorry for a man who's mentally handicapped. Yeah, it's one or the other. <laughs> right. And he has this great moment where he goes, why don't you come over to my crib, place, home? And I was just like, is he about to drop an N-bomb by accident? <laughs> That's what it looked. He was just about to be like, oh, oh my God, I'm, I'm sorry. Not my word. Not my word. I should have known. I just, we were playing pool. I got really excited. <laughs> So this is when they finally discover that this big star that no one that they that they like when they wrote the movie they even recognized that no one watching this movie would know who the fuck this dude was but uh the big celebrity that Easy 8's got for him is BB Winans who yeah. is apparently a Grammy winning gospel Yeah, Grammy winning. They're like Gram we're talking Grammy winners here and I was like, yeah. Gospel Grammy winners. What's right. not <laughs> Exactly. They have exactly. their own category. Yeah, I was going to say. If there's ever yeah, a I'm podcast sure. award for most masturbations in a single afternoon, I'm going to sweep it. But it doesn't mean that. 
It's not an achievement. It's just uh, they they made a thing for me. Mm-hmm. And the award for guys named Eli goes to <laughs> Eli. No, oh, I can't believe it. So now we go back to the uh, the shitty apartment where everybody's unhappy and sweaty. Um, and I, I do want to say the sweaty daughter was the best part of this movie, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yet another part of the movie, Eli jacked off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and so basically we, they have for the eighth time in this movie, the I'm incredibly unhappy, go fuck yourself conversation where she's yeah. like, please let me leave. I'm unhappy. And he's like, go fuck yourself or go fuck Amadou Diallo. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> go fuck Michael Brown. Who's that guy in Philadelphia who shot and threw a taser onto? Go have sex with him. I don't care. I'm your dad. Bye. Well, and they basically do that too. Cause the, cause the mom comes in and I guess the air conditioner's busted or whatever and everybody's sweaty. And mom's like, oh, well, you know, we're sweaty anyway, so we might as well fuck. And uh, so they mm-hmm. send their sweaty, attractive, defense- defenseless teenage daughter out into the streets of a low-income neighborhood in Atlanta all by herself. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's a great so line where she goes, time. I thought we were important. And I wrote in my notes, why? Why did you think that? What about the behavior of this character has made you feel important? No evidence from your entire life would ever lead you to that assumption. Uh, at which point we get a conversation between Willie and the daughter where Willie learns Willie never met his dad, his mm-hmm. brother is dead, no he's not, and his mom, I was just like, I wrote into a notes, mm-hmm. his mom got eaten by bears, his cousin got <laughs> attacked by a mailbox, like he's just the classic racist, like I'm a young black man yeah. without a support structure. That's what that scene could have been, just right, being like, right, exactly I lack a right. support structure, cut. <laughs> <laughs> I get to call cut. Great. Now David's going to be crying again. At which point, it, her response to like his life being really tragic and filled with huge problems is, yeah, I miss like the mall. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the dude's phone keeps dinging the entire time because the dad's sending them text messages. Are you fucking my daughter yet? Are you fucking my daughter yet? Are you Pix- fucking Pixar my daughter happen. yet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now we get to the bribery scene. Yes, exactly. So apparently, uh, uh, the evil black man has heard about the concert and he's quite displeased because the last thing he wants is his $10,000 that's owed to him. Mm-hmm. So instead, he's buying a family of four tickets anywhere they want to go in the world. He's going to make so uh, much I- money by tearing that down and turning it into government supported housing instead. What yeah. a great plan. <laughs> Well, but then, mm-hmm. like, like Nick was saying, the, 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 his solution is to then offer what seems to me far more than $10,000 worth of shit for them to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says, here are plane tickets to anywhere, which doesn't exist. Yes, that's And a thing. enough <laughs> money to set yourself up when you get there. So basically, this he's guy... got an envelope that's got plane tickets to anywhere and Three million dollars? What do you mean? Set yourself up where <laughs> yeah. you get there when you relocate your life and are never heard from again. That's not like twenty grand, right? Yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. more than is owed, I would think. Yeah, mm-hmm. but this guy, like, he really passionately believes that this neighborhood needs more community housing because of the extreme homelessness problem. This guy's brother became homeless, got hooked on drugs, and died, and now he's dedicating his life to doing whatever it takes to make sure that this problem gets solved in the only block of 
uh, property that's close enough for him to do this is right where that church is, and he'll spend any amount of money to make sure <laughs> that he's able to make sure that those homeless people have somewhere to live. That evil bastard. That evil son to, of a bitch. To Bad which guy. the main character says, oh, about? really, how much does a man's soul go for these days? Yeah. yeah, it's like you're the one who buys and sells imaginary the, shit. The you tell me exactly. I, I wanted that character so badly to be like, "Oh, um, souls aren't real. That's <laughs> that's not a thing." I was I was offering you a bribe for you to do something real. Oh, I tell you what, I'll cast a spell on you, and now you have to go <laughs> bibbity bobbity boo. Does that work? <laughs> there, there you go. Now you're scared. Oh, David thought it was real. Cut. <laughs> David's trying to burn me again, guys. I said we had to cut that line. Yeah. <laughs> Expecto Patronum! <laughs> and then we go, we cut in and uh, check out Easy Eight's bar, which again looks like you Google translated a description of a bar from Taiwanese into English, and that's what they went with. Bottles, glasses, people drink! <laughs> at which point uh, Barack Obama and Easy 8 have a shot of cognac to finish off an eagle bargain which that just for, for those who don't drink a shot of cognac to like seal a deal is like them being like so it's agreed well why don't we split this souffle <laughs> mm -hmm. good thing it didn't fall let's eat this wedding cake and agree on it <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, they take an entire snifter as a sh the guy takes a snifter full. It's like a pint of neat <laughs> cognac in a snifter, and he takes this as a single mm -hmm. shot. Evil guy, uh, yeah. Exactly. Just hire one person who's been to a bar for twenty minutes to consult on this movie. Right, exactly. Twenty minutes. Oh no, the rest of this movie would be that character throwing up into a bucket. No, it doesn't <laughs> right, <matter>. exactly. <laughs> Oh, I want a realistic shot of that where someone drinks that much cognac in the movie and they're just like, oh, <laughs> why? Horrible. Why would I drink that much cognac at once? <laughs> or even if it is a good cognac, like I got given a bottle of VSOP Hennessy and it was lovely. But like if I drank that much, it's fucking Yeah, a drunk. cereal bowl like, full would have been so a little rough. Drunk yeah, so the next quickly, scene is right? him jerking off into that. a urinal in the bathroom being exactly like, she right. loves it. She loves it. <laughs> I work right. at a bank all day. I'm the one who did that stuff to Desi, you know. She had a normal <laughs> voice until I got her, however. So, and by the cognac. evil deal that they're sealing with the uh, bucket of cognac is um, that Easy 8 is supposed to steal the money once they have this concert with big old B.B. Winans, who apparently knows just random drug dealers in Atlanta, which is interesting. Yeah, well, listen, let's not... B.B. Winans came in shiny. There's no way that B.B. Winans didn't sniff his way yeah. from the beginning to the end of all of his lines in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just line a line on one side of the script, and I'll learn my lines by the time I've got to the other. <laughs> and this is where we have the uh, Desi gets to wear clothes, so she'll be free like a right. housewife, house elf montage. Holy shit, this was weird. We've already brought this up several times, but I'm like, I, I, there, it, there is no way that this could have seemed more like the setup to lesbian porn. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. She actually does the basic instinct leg cross thing to start it, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. And then doesn't fuck Lily White. Just absolutely sucked. It's well, Kristen she make- Shawl in blackface. Well, no, She's but getting but a makeover scene, on top of blackface. Every scene that they're in for the rest of the movie, though, they're sniffing their fingers. So, I mean, make of that what you will. <laughs> they also, they make, they give, she gives her a makeover and it looks terrible. This is a lovely actress. She looks fine. But basically what they did is they, like, shot her in the face with a rouge gun and they were mm-hmm. like, there you go, pretty princess. And she was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, am I supposed to be bright pink? Yes. White women and black women wear the same makeup. Here you go. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. And so here's, like, so now we've already had the scene where the white man teaches her how to speak, and now the white woman is going to teach her how to dress. Anyway. And now, now I'm going to teach her how to love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really what was supposed to happen in this scene, and it didn't. So BB shows up. Yeah, so then BB shows up, but there's no CC, which is apparently going to cause a, a a riot in Cat Town or something. Yeah, I wrote in my note, BB without CC going to be bad, bad. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then of course they suddenly realize that the uh, sexy teenager that they sent all sweaty out into the ghetto by herself is nowhere to be found. Oh, I'm so surprised his neglected and sheltered to the point of abuse daughter ran away. Right? What a shock! At which point. Easy 8 uses his neighborhood watch, which has one white guy, by the way. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. He uses his neighborhood watch. He's like, I need a white girl. I want her alive. <laughs> <laughs> and Skinny Doug Benson is like, oh, I got one. I got one. Yeah, I found one. There's also a, a very weird moment in this movie. So Easy, when he, Easy, before Easy finds her, Vina, who mm. it turns out is his mother, we don't know this, mm-hmm. goes, find my boy. That's his little brother. So right. this is an incredibly fucked up scene because not only is she reaffirming to him that he is not her son, but like find my boy. It's just a very mm-hmm. like on revisiting the movie and understanding that he is this woman's son and that she's yeah. talking it to go up to someone and say, find my son is an incredibly cold and horrifying moment. And again, this movie will never address it. No, this movie will Absolutely. never ever address it it's like if at the end of chinatown just jack nicholson was like i don't know she seemed to get along with her dad pretty well anyways do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this movie like. <laughs> let the right one in so that older man just lets you stay with him yeah i don't know he seems nice burned himself wow. with lantern oil for me <laughs> No, unfortunately, because of the frenetic, psychotic pacing of this movie, it's not actually possible to take an act three break like we normally do because shit just randomly happens in this movie without respect to linear narrative. So there's kind of no point where one part of the movie ends and another begins. But based solely on the runtime, I'm going to say that this is where act three starts because, damn it, I need a break one way or the other. But before we go, I've got to give the final third of the movie the hard sell. So here we go. Will Clayton mutter a single line that doesn't make racially sensitive people cringe? Will the daughter be found naked, mutilated, and lying in a dumpster 40 miles south of the city in the following morning? Will valuable real estate needed to house the swelling population of unemployed single mothers continue to be wasted in a room dedicated to wishing out loud to imaginary people? Find out the answers to these questions and less when we return for the remaining pre-credit portion of Brother White. Senua Mawaku has appeared in several of the films that we've reviewed, and we couldn't help but notice that the dude never has a name. Well, upon further examination, the problem is much more widespread than we thought. This guy never has a name. So, as a means of demonstrating that fact, I would like to read a selection of Senua Mawaku's IMDb page. Burly guy. 
Criminal with a K. Jumbo. Bouncer. 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 Comedy club bouncer. Minion. Tall pirate. <laughs> Smoke. Gangbanger. Scary guy number two. Gangbanging <laughs> racial anarchist. <laughs> and because all rules need an exception, Reggie. He got one name. I, get get with me, Senor. I'll name you Dave. I'll write a script just so I can name you Dave. <laughs> I'm Crazy Randy down here at Hats, Hats, Hats. Are you a racist caricature in a Christian movie? Well, come on down. We got all the hats you could possibly ask for. We got tiny little bellboy hats. You'll look like a 1920s bellboy. Not a bellboy in the movie? Does not matter. 1999. How about a cabbie hat? It's a little hat goes on the top of your head. You can use it whenever you drive. Doesn't matter if your character's actually a cabbie. We got a hat for you. And now, if you ask now, we got a big wide brim straw hat for absolutely free. You can put a little piece of straw in your teeth and some chewing tobacco in your lip and you can say, Howdy, Mouser Mouser. I don't know if it'll have anything to do with your movie, but the people on set will love it. I'm Crazy Randy. You come on down today. We got five ninety nine cabbie hats, nineteen ninety nine bellboy hats, and if you buy both, you're getting the straw hat for free. Cause I'm going crazy. And we're back for reasons the greatest minds in psychology can't fully account for. When we left off, one scene was ending and another one was starting. Because damn it, that's about all this movie gives a person to work with. I believe this was about the time though that the concert began. And and I want to point out about this concert. Okay, so this church that we've seen, it can fit maybe if you packed it wall to wall about fifty people. You think? Right. If you're being super yeah, generous, they need to raise ten thousand dollars in one night. What the fuck is the ticket price for this thing? Oh, five thousand dollars. Twenty dollars. And so they're off by an order of magnitude, very literally. Yeah. It's twenty dollars in change. They're going to shake out of a homeless person. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I got to point this out. Okay, so yeah, the homeless guy that we saw earlier that 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 fucked the chair up by touching it with his disgusting homelessness um has brought a Ziploc bag full of pennies and nickels and they actually take his pennies and nickels rather than just let the poor guy into the fucking Right, cuz he's like, I don't know, man, should we count these pennies and nickels? That's right. And he's he's yeah. like, no, man, I'm a good guy. <laughs> take his pennies and nickels and then let him in. I'm sure it's probably close to 20 bucks. <laughs> what we're going to do? By the way, I had not heard this man's music, but this man's music is made exclusively for fucking two women's at once. So this is <laughs> oh, not yes. this is not music of a religious nature. <laughs> it didn't, sure didn't seem like it. It was the best part of the movie. But I, I also want to point out that Jack A is such a good pianist that she starts making drums and woodwinds come out of the goddamn <laughs> thing in the middle of the song. Hey, it's, All of a sudden, there's a whole fucking band That's playing. what she was tuning up. <laughs> she was tuning Schroeder's the... Uh, piano from Charlie Brown. <laughs> right. got, yeah, exactly. At most three octaves. And, of course, the music is so good that everyone in the theater is swaying except for the white girl. Yeah, exactly, who's held perfectly still. <laughs> yeah, I wrote exactly. in my notes, the white people hate this music so much. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. If, if you're talking about Lily White, she was just imagining what her and her black friend were up to a minute earlier like right before they walked out into this church service she was like her head her her mind uh -huh. is still where her head was a second ago pressed up against that black girl's crotch the uh the secretary yeah right right <laughs> i i certainly want that to be so see i just assumed that they actually had her swing but she's so white that she was off time and they eventually they were just like you know what fuck it just act like you're not having you know any what fuck it just hold still just hold still okay you can do that. 44 takes. 44 takes. <laughs> <laughs>
If you don't move, we'll let you fuck the black secretary again. <laughs> <laughs> so then we uh, we get on to uh, Emma, who is apparently running away. So she went to the uh, to the bus station. Right. Went to the bus station because earlier in the movie, mm. Willie has said, why don't you just take a bus back to L.A. from Atlanta, Georgia? And she was like, sure. I don't know how buses work. You're right. That All buses than... go everywhere ever. That's not a <laughs> seven day trip. Yeah, right. So then the dad comes and finds her <laughs> right. at the bus station. And she's like, come on, you got to come back. And she's like, you've been treating me like shit this whole movie. Why do you care? And he's like, I do all of a sudden for some reason. Who knows? Come here. So he picks up the daughter. He didn't say sorry for treating her like shit. She apologized for, you know, being a a human being. And he was like, well, stop it. You're property. Back to the concert. So we go back to the concert where Kenny is sitting in his office with the briefcase of money. Now, just to, uh, for a plot point here, and again, the plot of this doesn't matter, but... Well, I I, I also want to point out, because nobody knows who Kenny oh, is. Oh, Easy Eight's. Easy Eight's real name is Kenny. <laughs> Easy Eight's yeah. non-murdered um, son name is Kenny. That's that's his right, name exactly. when he's not been murdered by his mum's <laughs> hatred. His non-slave and, uh, name. Yeah, and, and exactly. like, he's sitting there, and I think that in the movie, the, the director was like, okay, so you have to be conflicted about stealing money because you're a black piece of shit. And, uh, but like in my mind, that second movie that's running where this guy is the good guy, he's like, that never occurred to him. He's sitting there thinking about his little brother. And his dead dad. He's looking at yeah. office that was his dead dad's. He's just sitting there and the guy's like, hey man, you're going to steal that money? What? No. He's like, no. Exactly. I was watching it. never it. even occurred to him because he's a good person. <laughs> oh, I yeah. like Nick's movie so much more. Yeah, where he's just like, how fucking insulting. All right, are you going to keep running, Easy 8? Because running, you don't always get two out of three in life. What are you talking about? I gathered all this money. I got you the artist. I should get a percentage of this money, and instead I'm giving it all to you. All right, Right. you're a Christian now, so you can have your name back. No, he's not. (laughs) But the white man can save you, E. This is a very important distinction. This guy has been living his life trying to make his business work, trying to, you know, just trying to get by while Christians keep periodically cropping up in his life and shitting all over it. And the only reason that he's decided to stick around this time is because his little brother is getting to about the age where if he took him away from his abusive mother, she couldn't get him back legally. So he's come back into their lives and he's helping out because he's not a shitty person, but he's doing it all so that he can let his little brother know that he's alive and hopefully get him the fuck out of that shitty place. See, now that's the happy alternative version of this movie, but what's actually happening is that fucking Akunta Kinte is realizing that if he just calls himself Toby, everyone will be happy and he'll get to go to heaven. Right, yeah, exactly. At which point, uh, A.R. White comes in and convinces him not to steal the money, gives him his name back. Yeah. So, because CC isn't there, which is a plot point of the movie, but mm-hmm. is weird because it seems like they wanted BB and CC. Anyway, it's weird. He goes, oh, here's our new pastor, Pastor James White. So they have this moment where it's very clearly this is his big moment to preach. Mm-hmm. Except for instead of that, he just tells people that CeCe's not going to be there and they start throwing chairs and setting shit on fire. <laughs> right, exactly. They react like everybody in the Nicolas Cage left behind. They're like, no, CeCe, murder, Ray! Right. <laughs> 
Also, you already have the ticket money. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. People won't be happy, but you've got the money. Right. They don't yes. get a refund. <laughs> mm-hmm. We want our money back. No. All right. Fine. But yes. luckily, <laughs> he figures out a solution, and his solution is to grab that poor little sexy Asian girl from earlier in the movie without mm-hmm. asking her permission, without giving her a chance to warm up or practice with the band or anything and say, you know who can sing is that girl. And, brings well, her and up we know because she has sung yeah. one note, yes, literally exactly. one note. Let me point out as well that his his public speaking has not improved. He no. is still fucking terrible in front of people when he's he cannot speak to anyone ever. Even when he's winning, he's in his victory moment, and they're like, "Hey, you've just pulled off doing the thing that you've been setting out to do all along. Maybe you won't be such a loser." And he gets up and he's like. Hi guys! Just wanted to remind you all that I'm a loser still, and um, here's a sexy twelve-year-old. <laughs> and I, I, I've got to—I I just want to point out, as a performer, that that is like such an extraordinarily rude fucking thing to do to a person. Just they're sitting in the audience, and you've just gotten. Keep in mind, like they're making money off of this. They're taking money off of this, and then they're just like, "Oh, this random girl who had no idea she was going to perform. She's get. She's going to come up, but she's nice, so she decides to come up and sing anyway." Or, or lip Oh, yeah. Sync. If someone was just like, oh, looks like Cece's not here, so Eli's going to do some magic for us, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. I don't have any of my stuff. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> come on, get up here and do some, come on. I'd be like, nope, go fuck yourself. I get paid to do that, assholes. <laughs> I don't do actual magic. I have to yeah. set stuff up. It's not. So, can you do the whole water into wine thing? No, I remember what happens the last time a Jew did that shit for you people. <laughs> <laughs> I have sensitive hands. So, and and as if that's not rude enough, now we've got the little girl up there singing. She's not singing, by the way. She's lip syncing, and it's really not very good. Oh, everyone singing is eighty yard. Yes, especially uh, Kenny slash Easy Eights. Easy Eights voice and lines are so eighty yard. It might as well be my. My voice. <laughs> it's brutal. They're like three seconds yeah. behind. Yeah. And, and like Terrible. two notes in, and he's just had a bucket of horse sweat dumped onto his head. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's sort of the theme of the movie. It's probably that yeah. vaginal mist. Oh, yeah, because now the secretary's in the same room as the uh, as the wife again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, so the little girl's singing, and now Easy 8, he's standing in the back of the church, and the obvious thing was supposed to happen in this movie, or what seemed like it was going to happen, he's a record producer, she's a singer, now he's going to sign the little girl, and they're going to get famous. But instead, the movie doesn't think of that. Instead, he just busts into the back of the church and starts singing as loud as he can, singing along with the girl, and I'm thinking... Well, that was rude. <laughs> and it's my turn to sing now. It's my turn to sing. I wish he couldn't sing and he had still busted in and just been like, and just gotten really quiet and been like, fuck you, I stole your money. <laughs> Credits. Uh, so then we cut to uh, the orange Jew comes in and he's like, hey, you did a good job. Because so um, the guy from Persecuted, Kingman, has yeah. said, hey, you know what? Let's give him another chance, or go down there right, and check yeah. on him. And if he's doing well, then he gets to bring be him a back pastor. to the mega church. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Orange Jew is impressed by the concert, so he's like, "Yeah, you can come back to L.A. You don't have to be around black people anymore." <laughs> At which point, we have this weird, like, uh, "Are you gonna leave?" moment. Yeah. So now he wants to go back home to L.A. to be a a, a mega pastor. Um, and, and all of the black people are sad because without a white person, they're helpless. And, uh, so they, they want the magic white man to stay and show them the way. Right. And, uh, like during this whole scene, he just looks so bored. 
He looks as bored as I am watching him <laughs> looking bored. Right. Right. So then they they have this moment where he comes into church and it's empty and he goes, where is everybody? And uh, the sentient, you know, splurge comes out and he's like, they're waiting for their pastor to greet them. And outside the church, there are millions of people in line waiting to go to church. Well, but uh. but you don't see more than like six of them at a time. So you could tell that like like the person at the front of the line was running behind the camera and then just getting mm-hmm. in the back. As they went down, yeah, the it's road like a or... North Korean or German Nazi tank parade. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, I don't know. I think that tank is familiar. No, it's just a totally different one. Kill him. Were you the first Kill person? Not only right now, you're wearing a hat and a fake mustache. Oh no, that is my <laughs> totally. brother. Totally different back. <laughs> That's someone else. I also liked uh, Reginald Vell Johnson comes in and he tells this story. Um, about a poor man, fisherman on a beach or whatever. But what he basically does is he completely fucks up the cab driver fallacy. So he's giving him like the worst possible illogical advice that you could give a person. Right. It's ba- the, the, the moral of his story is hard work prevents you from enjoying your life. Right. Right. So whatever you do, slack off. And that's clearly his, his dietary advice as well. Right. I wanted so bad for him to be like, and then the businessman said, but what if there's a day when you don't catch enough fish? And the fisherman said, fuck, good point. I better what get out and get point. some fish. I'm going to go get some more fish because saving is, oh, this is why we lost the church. Yeah. <laughs> oh, got to save money. This is a bad story. I shouldn't use it anymore. <laughs> All of my notes for the rest of the movie are just like noises and actions, like uh, erg, uh, ah, mm, vomit, ah, punch self in face. So yeah, mine mine got there, but it took one more uh, moment to get there because I it was the moment where we revisit the child abuser. Yeah, that- I wrote in my notes. Remember me? I beat you and my child. I'm in church now. Call child services? No? No. All right. No. You're just gonna, we're just gonna, now you're okay because you're in church at this point. Good to see you. Yeah. Oh, and, and they showed the only, uh, husband wife kiss of the movie at the end and he almost threw up in her mouth. <laughs> yeah. He was like, mm, like when you try and kiss, when your grandma has a beard and you're trying to kiss her cheek without feeling it, you're like, all right, love you, grandma. Oh, 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 my balls. I don't think I'm okay. I don't think I'm okay. So this is also the point in the movie where the movie decides to reveal to you that Jack A was Easy Eight's mom the whole time. And, and, you know, of course, we've been talking about that through, throughout the movie, but when it first hits you, when you first realize that, like all of a sudden you realize, oh, Wow, this movie just became so much darker and more horrible. So that that's what reduced me to onomatopoeia. Yeah, exactly. Um, the child abuse, and then oh, by the way, I've one of the characters in this movie who we like and is a protagonist abandoned her son. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't Christian enough, and then he comes up to the uh, to the thing, and this is where like he's okay. The whole movie has been about how he wants to be a pastor, wants to be a pastor. Apparently, he never practices pasting because he's fucking terrible at it. So he gives his little sermon about how sometimes God only whispers, and I wrote down because God is a hateful, enigmatic dick tumor. Why wouldn't he just speak out loud? Right, exactly. I heard the voice of God in a little girl last night, and in my notes I wrote, a sexy, sexy little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and and Easy Eight's in the audience with his arm around his little brother, and his mum, like, looks at him, like, during this whole thing, 
and like the look that he gives his mum is like, you look away and I'm taking him and custody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, okay, so the, 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 leading up to this bit, the conflict was, of course, is David A.R. White's character going to stay here in Atlanta or is he going to go back to L.A.? And he hasn't quite decided, so he's going to make his decision on stage, right? So he, he, he comes up and he's doing a stupid sermon and he says, and, and I'd like to say that I want to, and then he looks over at his wife and he realizes, oh my God, I almost didn't speak for her on her behalf without discussing it earlier. What a terrible Christian that would make me. So then he corrects himself. We would like to stay here with and you guys. His wife is so happy because she's like, more black vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Desi just exactly stands up and she's like, we did it, honey. And they have a long hug and a kiss. Mm-hmm. And then they just slowly lie each other down on the floor of the church. And... <laughs> anyway, sorry, I got distracted. Something about, wait, so are we still watching Left Behind? Within this movie. <laughs> I can't stop having night terrors. And But but the movie ends, oh. and it's, it's like it's trying to get us out of the theater or whatever quick before we realize that the script never actually resolved anything. Right? Because Brother Crick Gypsy still doesn't know how to be a pastor or stand up correctly. The daughter still hates living in the hood. Delcy hasn't worked through her PTSD or whatever. But most importantly, all they did was paid back mortgage. They're still, they still don't have enough money coming. So like is BB Winans just going to show up every eight months or so to do another benefit? Yeah. I mean, that's his community service. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> For all the cocaine charges. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Nick, as you're aware, we like to avoid how many stars type of rating systems here yeah. because none of the movies we review ever deserve any stars. So in an effort to get a sense of your overall impression of this film, I want to offer you a three-part question here. If this movie was a bodily secretion, A, what secretion would it be? B, what would be the consistency of that secretion? And C, what would it be secreting onto? Okay, if this movie was a bodily secretion, it would be period blood. It would be chunky, and it would be secreting itself into my mouth where I would be forced to gargle it, and I would enjoy doing that more than I would enjoy watching this film the second time. I knew it was going to be menstrual blood. And uh, Heath, I have a similar question for you, but not exactly the same. If this movie was a burrowing parasite... A, what would it burrow into? Hmm. B, what would it use to burrow? And C, what would it do once it was there? <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess it would be, you know, one of those spiders that, that like burrows and nests in your ear. Uh-huh. And, and once it gets there, it makes horribly racist movies. <laughs> just, just reads me screenplays by the Kendricks brothers really loud, <laughs> shouting ethnic Kendrick my spider. Ear constantly. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Really they racist. all smell different, Heath. You know it and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, watch this video I found on the internet. Read this, read this, read this section of Color of Crime. Oh. And finally, oh. Eli, why the fuck do we keep doing this, man? I, I don't know. I think it's, I mean, based on the movies that I've seen, it's because we're so mad. And all we need is someone to be like, hey, sunsets. And then both you and I will be like, you're right, oh, sunsets. And then Jesus. next week it'll be god-awful not movies or whatever. I don't know. Christian. Yeah. 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 Too many hugs as kids. <laughs> too much <laughs> book. Too many books. <laughs> Must have been it. All right. Well, Nick, you made it all the way through, sir. And with a couple of therapy sessions, you should be back to normal. I suppose congratulations are in order. So congratulations. Well, thanking you very much. 
And if our audience just can't get enough of your sexy, mustachioed brilliance, where might they go to find some more? Okay, you can find me on Twitter, at Nick Morganmore. That's my name. You can also find my YouTube channel. It's called Nick Morganmore. That's my name. And my uh, Facebook comedian page, Nick Morganmore. That's my name. Other podcasts I appear regularly on. Uh, I am a regular contributor on the Imaginary Friends show, Dotecom Podcast. And I'm also one of the voice acty Rahi peoples on uh, the Atheist Apocalypse, available on iTunes. Uh, I play a gentleman by the name of Kelly Muddesey, who loves drugs almost as much as I... Um, not saying how much I love drugs in real life. And, uh, yeah, if you are in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, search my social medias to find out where I'm going to be doing gigs. I'll be here for a couple months. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, we'll have that all linked on the show notes for this episode. And while that's going to do it for our review of Brother White, that's not going to do it for the episode quite yet because we still need to get you excited about next week's show. So before we wrap it up, we're going to take a few minutes for a quick preview review. So Eli, tell us what's on deck. Catching Faith. Our first sports movie. Very exciting. But not our last. If you saw our in-house list, you would know how many fucking football teams go Christian (laughs) movies you have ahead of us. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with this because I'm going to make a lot of like really inside football jokes that Heath's going to crack up at and you're not going to get. It'll be, it'll be really fun. And I've got to say like, I'm getting the impression, cause I feel like the, this, this movie, Brother White, the one that we just reviewed, was the worst one that we've seen since Miracle Man. You know, that, that, like, it's the lowest quality movie. I get the feeling like Catching Faith is gonna slide in under that bar. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they booked Engval, they booked Engval, so. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's some budget behind this. When you, when you have to settle for the least funny member of the blue collar comedy <laughs> right. store, you know it's a problem. <laughs> Not a good sign. Sorry, we couldn't get Foxworthy. Couldn't get Foxworthy. There's a days in somewhere having a luncheon. We just can't, can't get away. All right, let's get angle. What about the guy Tater Salad? No, it turns out he's a real comedian. Oh, how terrible! That's so sad. It's so sad that that guy's associated with that. Yeah, horrible no shit. Tour. So this movie appears to be, from the preview at least, it appears to be about a woman who's in a Who's the Most Christian book club whose son gets caught drinking alcohol as a member of the high school football team. And the conflict of the movie is about whether or not he should be a snitch. Right. Yeah. And I think the, That's I think this movie is supposed to say, yeah, you're supposed to be a snitch. <laughs> But I also want to point out, this is true. I, I timed this. They say the word God seven times in a two-minute and four-second preview. <laughs> that is, that's once every 18 seconds. Think about that for a second. Yeah, and not not in the way you'd think. It's not like praise God. It's always like, it's okay to be mad at God. God, get your shoes on. We're going to the <laughs> store. It's it's just, it feels very pushed in. Yeah. Like, I feel like this preview was meant to be shown at churches so that everyone would be like, okay, don't worry. It's a God movie. You're going <laughs> to see footballs and people and faces. Possibly and beer. Right, you'd be worried that there wasn't a foot. Also, you can already tell how much, how little everyone in this movie is going to know about alcohol because the one shot of beer they have is like ninety five percent foam <laughs> yeah, exactly. in a clear in a clear solo cup. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, this is how kids binge drink. Hey, man, you want a rum and coke? Let's get hardcore. 
I don't think you're going to see any keg stands in this one. I also want to point out, and this could be, you know, I don't know, but in the preview, you actually see only one football scene, and there are like 11 people in the stands at this high school stadium just like spattered throughout it. And and like four people on the football field. Yeah, right. It's it's not a football game. They're playing rugby. (laughs) Apparently. And getting an American rugby audience, too. Slightly smaller than the Christian movie audience. Yeah, right, right. So with all that to look forward to, we're going to bring episode seven to a merciful close. Once again, huge thanks to Nick Morgan Moore of the Imaginary Friend Show and good advice for hanging out with us tonight. I also need to give a huge thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful. That's patreon.com slash godawful. If you do that, you get early access to every episode and you get extended editions of every episode. You can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist and The Skeptocrat, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars and was used with permission. If you like what you hear, hear more by following the links on the show notes to this episode. Thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick, I'm No Illusions, promising to work hard to earn another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with a guy from Brooklyn telling you to fuck yourself. Fuck you, you stupid motherfucker. Three comic book nerds like you and me, Nick, in the audience right now are like, <laughs> I totally agree. Yes. Everyone else is like, Hank Pimp? Is there a pimp in the Marvel Universe? <laughs> like he has hoes? Oh, that's fun. I read Saga, so I'm actually super into comic books. Oh, Just go fuck so. yourself with Saga. Go fuck yourself with Saga. It's bad art and it's bad story. Go fuck yourself. Uh- Fuck you, Eli. You read Lock and Key. You read Lock and Key and Preacher and then you talk to me. Oh, this populist comic book shit. Let's explain everybody. Oh, here's your little, here's your spoon-fed comic books. Oh, here you go, your little spoon-fed. Here you go, it's time for you to have a comic book in nice 50 pages at a time. Don't worry, you won't have to follow anybody's... ...body weight in methamphetamine prior to filming and instead made a graphic novel.